This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode 111, entitled Son of Man Christology in the Gospel of John, Part 4. Specifically today, we will be looking at John chapter 6 and verse 62. So if you're following along, you can go ahead and turn to that passage. As always, the Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Dustin Smith. As always, I will be your host. This series is exploring how the New Testament Gospels understand Jesus as the Son of Man, that is, as the human agent of the true God. Thus far in our exploration of the fourth gospel, we have noted that the Son of Man is a revelatory figure, authentically revealing and exegeting the unseen God. We also noted that the Son of Man remains a mortal man, an actual member of the human race. The death of this human Son of Man is highlighted and even foreshadowed early on in the fourth gospel. Most importantly for today's episode, we need to remind listeners that the Son of Man is the embodiment of the Word, or it could be said that the Son of Man is the embodiment of God's wisdom. This is how the Son of Man can state, as he does earlier in John chapter 6, that he is the bread of life that has come down from heaven, which points to the personified Word that was with God, without insisting that the human Son of Man actually pre-existed in heaven. Remember, the Son of Man is what the Word became. The Word became flesh, and that flesh is the human Son of Man. In today's episode, we will focus on a single verse upon John chapter 6, verse 62. This verse will open us to many readings of how it's to be interpreted, but it is commonly understood as pointing to the pre-existence of the Son of Man in heaven. How should we responsibly interpret John chapter 6, verse 62, especially in light of all of the human things that are stressed about the Son of Man in the fourth gospel? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is looking at initial considerations of John 6.62 and the verb ascending. So I'm going to give a little bit of context to our passage. I'll start in John chapter 6, verse 58. This is Jesus speaking. He says, This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, 
many of his disciples, when they heard this said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to him, Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? That's John chapter 6, verses 58 through 62. In our last episode, we detailed the count where Jesus speaks of himself as the Son of Man who is the bread of life. In doing so, he highlights his humanity in some of the strongest possible terms. He discusses his own flesh and blood and encourages his disciples to partake of these two in the Eucharistic sacrament, thereby communing with the human Son of Man. While those statements initially caused the Jews to grumble, we now note that it is the disciples of Jesus who have taken up the grumbling. Being aware of this, Jesus asks if this is causing them to stumble. Is this statement scandalous? In other words, if the disciples struggle with the symbolism of eating and drinking the flesh and blood of the Son of Man, how are they to react to this much greater scandal? So then Jesus asks, What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The flow of the conversation seems to indicate that the ascension of the Son of Man whatever that means, would be more scandalous than the assertion that the disciples must commune with his flesh and blood. So there are really two things that we need to consider. First, we need to explore what this ascending talk is referring to and why it is more scandalous than the symbolism of the communion meal. Second, we need to consider honestly and fairly the fact that the Son of Man's ascension is to a location that he has been to previously. As the words of 662 say, quote, where he was before, end quote. In regard to the act of ascending, we could do a quick word study of the verb anabino within the fourth gospel to see what sort of data that reveals. The Greek verb anabino usually is translated as ascending. The verb appears 16 times in the gospel of John, and if we exclude our present passage, the verb has the following breakdown. One time, it is used in reference to angels ascending to heaven after descending upon the Son of Man. John chapter 1, verse 51. Nine times it is used in regard to a trip to Jerusalem, which is on an elevated hill. And often these trips are to partake in one of the Jewish feasts or to visit the Jewish temple. So we can see this in John 2.13, 1 
5 verse 1, 7 verse 8 twice, 7 verse 10 twice, 7 14, 11 55, and 12 20. So nine times as a literal descent to Jerusalem at Mount Zion. One time, it is used in reference to the Son of Man, saying that he is ascending to obtain the divine secrets of heaven, functioning as a revelatory figure. We've already studied this passage in John 3.13. It is also used once in a parable to describe a thief who climbs over a fence. John chapter 10 and verse 1. It is used twice in reference to Jesus' post-resurrection ascension to heaven. John chapter 20, verse 17, used twice in that verse. And it is used one time as a casual reference to walking ashore from a fishing boat. John chapter 21, verse 11. As we can see, the majority of the references, nine of them, to the verb ascending have to do with going up the hill of Mount Zion to visit Jerusalem. Of course, the Gospel of John climaxes in the death of Jesus on the cross, which happens right outside of the walls of Jerusalem. This option is attractive, in my opinion, because, as we observed two episodes ago, we noted in John 3, verse 14, that the Son of Man will be lifted up, that is, lifted up upon the cross, as a type of Moses lifting up a snake upon a piece of wood. So, going up and being lifted up could be read together as evidence for a purpose direction in the narrative of the fourth gospel. And it seems pretty plausible that the fourth gospel wants to point its readers ultimately to the cross, the act of Jesus being lifted up onto this cross. However, this makes it a bit awkward for our current study when we consider, as we must, the fact that the Son of Man had previously been to where he was going to ascend. That's what John 6.62 says. Was the Son of Man previously on the cross? Well, of course not. But it begs the all-important question about where the Son of Man was previously, to which he is to ascend. When we consider the other options, which ones would actually be regarded as scandalous? The act that the statement that Jesus made is to be scandalous, something that would cause his disciples to stumble, is a very, very important part in evaluating our interpretive options. Some have proposed that John 6.62 should be read in light of John 3.13, where the Son of Man ascends to grasp the heavenly secrets as a revelatory figure. But ascending to understand the plans of God is hardly 
scandalous. So that option seems unlikely. Many of the references to ascending in the fourth gospel involve an actual ascension to heaven without any qualification. We saw that angels went up to heaven, presumably after descending upon the Son of Man, and Jesus declares that after the resurrection, he has not yet ascended to his Father, to his God. So, the verb to ascend could refer, in our present passage, John 6.62, to a literal ascending to heaven. But this option also seems unlikely for two compelling reasons. First, it is not altogether clear how an ascension to heaven would be scandalous. I don't see how Jesus ascending to heaven would cause his own disciples to stumble. Second, the ascension of Jesus is not an event that the fourth gospel actually narrates. And John 6.62 indicates that whatever the act of ascending means, it would be something that the disciples would witness. They would observe this taking place. They would actually see it taking place in front of them. So I don't think that ascending to heaven, literally, is what John 6.62 is talking about. And the less likely options for what ascending could mean for the Son of Man can be safely discounted, that of the thief climbing over a wall in the parable of John 10, and of the fisherman emerging off of the boat in John 21. So as of now, I am leaning in the direction of seeing the ascension to the cross, perhaps overlapped deliberately with an ascension to Jerusalem. And this makes the most sense of an act that would appear scandalous. But we still need to deal with the issue regarding the location that the Son of Man was previously. But let's set that aside for a moment and consider another scholarly proposal that may or may not give us some understanding on this matter. Our second point today is looking at the Moses typology hypothesis. One of the scholarly proposals worth our consideration is the suggestion that typology with Moses is occurring in the section of John chapter 6. And since Moses was one of the most significant persons in Jewish history to ascend upon a mountain, we should take a moment to determine its worth. John chapter 6 depicts the manna from heaven, the grumbling of the people, the insistence that Jesus is the chosen agent of God, and the scandal of ascension. When we look at this summary, it is possible that there is a typology with Moses taking place. In Exodus chapter 16, we have the manna coming down from heaven, and Moses commands the children of Israel how they are to gather it, how much they are to gather, and on what days. 
In Exodus chapter 17, the Israelites grumbled, using the very same word, the same verb even, that we find in John chapter 6 of both the Jews and the disciples of Jesus. In Exodus, especially the first 20 chapters, the story revolves around how God is using Moses as a principal agent, where Moses speaks to the people, and the manner in which people react to Moses affects their relationship with God. Lastly, Moses ascends Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19. I find these parallels interesting, and some are clearly stronger than others, I will freely admit. But overall, this does not appear to be an accident or a coincidence. John chapter 6 does seem to frame the dialogue about the bread of life in terms of the figure of Moses. In regard to its relevance to our current study of John 6.62, the fact that Moses ascended upon a mountain parallels the Son of Man ascending to Jerusalem. And it helps with the overlapping meaning that I'm considering of ascending, where it is an ascending to the cross along with an ascending to Jerusalem. Of course, to ascend to the cross, Jesus has to ascend to Jerusalem first. So the Moses parallel with the overlapping proposal of how ascending works in John chapter 6, verse 62, helps. Furthermore, we have already demonstrated within the fourth gospel that Moses typology exists, specifically to refer to the Son of Man on the cross. We saw this in John chapter 3 and verse 14, which we examined in detail two episodes ago. In John 3.14, as a summary, Moses' lifting of a snake onto a stick parallels the Son of Man being lifted up upon the cross. In short, I think that the typology with Moses helps in seeing how the fourth gospel regards the scandalous ascent of the Son of Man to have a dual meaning, an ascent to Jerusalem as well as an ascent to the cross. But this, of course, leaves the important question left regarding the location that Jesus was previously. Where was it that the Son of Man ascended that he was previously? Our third point today is the relationship between the fleshly Son of Man and the Logos. Now we must remember that John chapter 6 verse 62 is in the context of the bread of life that has come down out of heaven. Jesus states to the Jews that the true bread of life is the Son of Man and that his flesh is to be consumed. Since John chapter 6 verse 62 also depicts Jesus as the human Son of Man, the Christological title needs to be taken seriously, especially since its appearance in the main narrative 
of John chapter 6 is pivotal to its argument. I argued in our previous episode that the fleshly Son of Man, who functions as the bread of heaven, is framed in the fourth gospel in terms of the Logos, the Word of God, which, John chapter 1 verse 14, states has become flesh. This personified Word of God became embodied in the human Jesus at his birth. Since the flesh of the Son of Man is the very same flesh that the Word became, it means that the relationship of the Logos to the Son of Man, who is regarded as the bread of life, needs to be taken seriously. The human Son of Man can say that he is the bread of life that has come down out of heaven because the human Son of Man is the enfleshment of the Word that did come down out of heaven. But this does not mean that the Son of Man existed in heaven alongside God. This is stating that the Word that was with God in the beginning, not Jesus, but the Word, the Word became flesh. The Word has come down out of heaven. It is not Jesus that came down out of heaven. It is not the Son of Man that came down out of heaven. The Word became Jesus. The Word became the fleshly Son of Man. And it is clear that the Gospel of John can portray the Son of Man as speaking about coming down out of heaven because the Son of Man is the human being that the Word became. I also noted in our previous episode that there were some Jews contemporary to the writing of the Gospel of John, who regarded the bread that came out of heaven in the book of Exodus as wisdom. Now, both word and wisdom are Old Testament personifications, not actual persons alongside God in heaven. In the Old Testament, you will not find the word as a conscious person alongside the Father. You will also not find wisdom as a conscious female alongside the Father. Quite often in the Old Testament, word and wisdom are personified, but personifications are not persons. My point is this. Jesus can speak of himself as the Son of Man from above because the Logos from above became the human Jesus. So while Jesus technically did not pre-exist in heaven, the human Jesus is the embodiment of the Logos and wisdom that did exist in heaven. But as a living human being, the Son of Man continues to function as the word and wisdom of God. And in that continuation, Jesus can speak of a place ascended that he was before, as we see in our current passage, John 6.62. 
In other words, if the Son of Man is the bread of life that has come down from above, then we have a location where the Son of Man was previously. So while the Son of Man can speak of ascending to where he was before, primarily ascending up onto the cross, this should not be read as a claim that the human Son of Man actually came down out of heaven. This is not the argument of the Gospel of John. John's argument is that the personified word that was with God became flesh. And this human flesh is the person of the Son of Man. All in all, I think that the evidence points to a reading of John 6.62, where the Son of Man will scandalously go up to the cross. And this act of going up is to where the Logos that became flesh formerly was. The Word became flesh, and now the embodied Word is to go up to where the Word was previously. In conclusion, we have observed that John chapter 6 and verse 62 portrays Jesus as the Son of Man, the human agent of the only true God. He speaks of ascending in a way that would be far more scandalous than insisting that his followers partake of his flesh and blood. The scandal of the cross, upon which the Son of Man would be lifted, seems to be the best reading of the verb ascend. However, the Son of Man is the human embodiment of the Word, and that Word was formerly with God. So, the enfleshed Word would be ascending to where the Word was before. But this needs to be read as a reference to the pre-existence of the Word, not the pre-existence of the human being, the Son of Man. The fourth gospel continues to frame the protagonist, Jesus Christ, as continuing to function as the word and wisdom of God during his earthly ministry. So readers would be wise to watch closely how the human Jesus speaks and acts in ways that recall the Old Testament portrayals of the personified word and the personified wisdom of God. To say that the human Son of Man is the embodiment of God's personified logos is quite an elevated thing to say of a human being. But this portrayal is what the fourth gospel is teaching. And thereby, it is worthy of being classified as high human Christology. To say that the Logos is embodied into a human being doesn't fit well with angelic Christology, and since the Logos is a personification and not the second person of the Trinity, it does not fit well with a Trinitarian framework. Join us next week as we continue our study within the Gospel of John, 
in regard to its portrayal of Jesus as the human Son of Man. Please consider supporting the Biblical Unitarian Podcast as it aims to promote these sound truths of the oneness and unity of God and the humanity of Jesus. You may check out this episode's description for a PayPal link. Thank you so much for listening to us at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. My name is Dustin Smith, and until next time, you folks take care.